Hey loves, welcome back to Strip Down. Super excited for my recording today. I'm having one of my favorite guests back on my show today. I have the amazing mama and woman, Jen Sinrich, who is an experienced writer, digital and social editor, and content strategist in Boston, Massachusetts. She's written for several publications that you guys all know and love, including Self, Women's Health, Martha Stewart, Weddings, Reader's Digest, Pure Wow, Helpline, and like so much more. She covers various topics from health and fitness to love and sex and even some things that cross over into motherhood. After a decade-long career in New York City working in the magazine industry and at a myriad of digital publications, Jen returned to her hometown just north of Boston to pursue a freelancing gig full-time. When she's not busy writing, editing, or reading, she is traveling <laughs> pre-COVID, working out, and enjoying the simple things in life with her husband, Dan, and her beautiful baby girl, Mila, and her two feline friends, Jenny's and Jimmy. Jen, welcome back to my show. So excited to have you back on. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I have to ask you, what time is it? I am not sure what time it is <laughs> ever at any point. Like I look to the sun and the moon to tell me like, <laughs> I should be sleeping, attempting sleep, um, waking up. Like I, yeah, I mean... I'm with you. Yeah. You're just like, what time is it? Am I awake? Am I not awake? I know. So little backstory for our listeners. Jen and I today went back and forth probably easily six times via text message trying to confirm our time for recording. And to Jen's defense, I have baby brain and I forgot that she thought I was still on the West Coast time and I am on the East Coast still visiting with family. And so I kept telling Jen like, hey, can we just push like a half hour or so? I got to deal with this and deal with that. And she's like, no worries. I'm flexible. I'm flexible. And I was like, okay, great. And then when I was ready, I jumped on and I texted her and I was like, hey, I'm getting on. Or I said something like, oh, I'm getting things set up or something. And Jen, Jen's response was, oh, wait, isn't it like three hours from now? <laughs> And I was like, wait, what? And you were like, wait, what time zone? Wait, what? <laughs> to give you a visual, I was chasing my kid across the beach. Like we we are very lucky. We live very close to the beach and she is only happy if we're at the beach. And I was chasing her, trying to prevent her from running into a bunch of geese because she was convinced that it, she couldn't get close enough to them. And, and I kept like pulling <laughs> her back and she's like either running at the geese or running straight into the water. And I had my phone with me and you and I were texting back and forth. And I'm like, there is not even close to a chance I could possibly be ready to do this in 10 minutes. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my God, I love it. So yeah, literally, so our text messages literally were like, back and forth, back and forth. And then it was like, like after that, after we confirmed, it was like, okay, but like, just to make sure to like double check, it's like your time, my time. And I was like, I'm on the same time zone. And you're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, right. Cause I didn't explain that I was on the East coast still. And like, it was just hysterical. And then it was like, okay, so eight, eight, my time, your time. Yes. Okay. Same time. Great. It was like, it goes to show how little brain cells are left when you're being like drained by your children. Oh, absolutely. And like, I have complete, obviously baby brain right now on top of mom brain. Like, so it's like ultimate just brain, I don't know, throw up over here because I am just like complete mush. Every time I like have to think of something, I'm like, what? And then I write something down and I'm like, did I write that down? I have to check my phone and look and I'm like, oh, I didn't write it down. Oh, I did write it down. Like it's, it's constant. And people are like, oh my gosh, you have things so together. And I'm like, do I really? Okay. 
Yeah. But it, honestly, in my opinion, for, for you to be even keeping lists and, and trying to keep yourself accountable to do things is like so applaud worthy because that is far more than I felt like I was able to do in those first couple of months. Oh, thank you. Well, I think that, you know, and obviously you're, you know, a mama of, you know, one right now, but like for me, I think going from one to two, um, obviously it's insane in a lot of ways, but I think that in the mindset, as far as like knowing like, okay, it's going to be a shit show because it's just going to be like the fact that you kind of know what you're getting into. Whereas obviously for all new moms, when I was a new mom as well, it was like, Oh my God, what is this? Especially if you choose to breastfeed a nurse, which I know, you know, you do. And I did. And I, you know, and now I'm with Arlie and it's like, okay, when you first start nursing your baby and like the fact that they're constantly trying to eat and you're trying to get like any kind of sleep and do anything for yourself and everything is crazy. You're like, whoa, what is happening? Where did my life go? Why is this baby constantly needing to get on me? Like, can I get a minute to breathe? Can I pee? Like, it's really overwhelming. And I think that now being mom of two, as much as it's still overwhelming, and I feel like I have less time to do all those things, I at least know like, oh, this is going to pass. And like, oh, this is a phase. And oh, she's going through a growth spur. And I can kind of identify things in my mind instead of just going, what the fuck? Yeah. And I bet you don't freak out about trying to keep your baby alive at all times. Like I, I felt like that was my thing. I couldn't sleep because I was like, is she sleeping? Okay. Like I felt like I had to like check on her at all, at all times. And like from a very young age, she wanted to sleep on her stomach, like no matter what. So it was like, I was, I was a wreck about just like things that my mom and my mother-in-law were like, Oh my God, relax. Like don't worry so much. And I feel like the second time around, I'll be more relaxed, which will help me kind of get through those tough, tough times. But I was so worried about just keeping her alive. It was like, Oh yeah. I think that's all of us, right? Like we just want, like, we we just want to feel like, okay, I'm doing the right things. Right. Like I'm not, I'm I'm not hurting her. I'm not like changing things that I shouldn't be changing. Like she's going to stay alive. Right. Everything's okay. She's alive. She's breathing. What's happening. Check her again. She's breathing. Like, Definitely. That was for sure. And I wouldn't say for me, I was as nervous as a mom. Like thankfully Amelia slept um, on her back um, for a quite a bit before she turned her stomach. I will say though, as she got older and more of a toddler, I was kind of funny about that. I didn't like that she had flipped on her belly. And it like, when I would look at the monitor, I couldn't see her um, the same way and it would freak me out. And then when she wanted to start sleeping with a blanket, that was a whole nother thing for me. And I was like losing my mind. Like every night I would whack Justin in bed and I'd be like, Justin, Justin. And of course I was pregnant. So it freaked me out even more. And so I was like, Justin, Justin, go check her. And he'd be like, she's sleeping. And I'd be like, yeah, but the blanket's over her really tight. And it looks like it's around her. And like, could you please just go check it? Can you go move it? And he'd be like, oh my God. And so he would go in and he would move it, you know, over, you know, in a different spot. And she was fine. But like, in order for me to sleep and in order for him to sleep, I wasn't whacking him the whole time. He would go and move it. And then at times, like, I wouldn't even like wake him. I would just go in and do it and, you know, reach my huge belly over and, you know, just move it. And, um, I think that it's funny when you, you know, with your first, obviously you're so like, Oh, is this right? Is that right? Oh my God, what am I doing? And I laugh because with Arlie now, like perfect example, like working today, like had, had it been Amelia, I would have like put her back, like in her spot where she sleeps and like gotten everything together and like turn the white noise on. And I like knew I had a bunch of deadlines today and I like needed to like have Arlie like nursing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave her on the couch with me. And then she ended up like falling asleep 
like on my shoulder chest and that's where she stayed like the whole time I was working and I would just like switch her right to my boob and put her back on and then put her back and then put her back on my shoulder and it was just like a constant thing today I didn't even think about it and it was just like and then I'd lay her on the couch and like run to the bathroom and like meanwhile with Amelia like I would take her into the bathroom put her on the floor in the bathroom so I could pee like it's just funny how you definitely your mind changes and, and and you realize like okay I'm okay. Like I'm doing the right things. They're fine. They're alive. I'm alive. We're good. You know, and you, you celebrate that way more than when you have the first where you're like, Oh my God, what am I doing wrong? What is happening? You know? So it's a, it's definitely, I would say easier in that sense of like your mind and how you can kind of look at things and understand things, but it's still crazy. Like my friend was saying to me the other day, when she called me to FaceTime me, like I had Arlie, um, you know, my boob nursing and Amelia was like jumping on me and she's like, oh my gosh. So like, that's, that, that's how it is, huh? And I was like, oh yeah, like for sure. I mean, he wants my attention all the time. She's a toddler. She's busy. She wants to tell me things. Amelia talks constantly. Wonder where she got that from. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's like so intense, but it's like so cute and such a fun age, but she is, she's wild. She has a ton of energy. Like Right now she's running around with her grandparents because like I'm podcasting and like Arlie's swinging in her little swing because she nursed and she's chill, but it is, it's like constant craziness and everything going on. And, you know, and I've kind of had to realize that like when Arlie's crying and Amelia's needing me, unless Arlie really needs me, I kind of give my attention to Amelia first because she's very aware that I'm kind of, you know, putting her to the side and ignoring her, so to say, um, and Arlie doesn't really get it, obviously, because she's just crying as a baby. So, you know, as long as I know she's okay, I let her be for a minute. And I'm like, okay, what Amelia tell me or, okay, let me read you this book. Like, yes, last night, I was sitting on the couch, and I was reading a book to Amelia Brown Bear, like one of her favorites. And I had Arlie on my left boob nursing, like, you know, so it's like, it's just, you know, it's just all the things. But, um, but it's really fun, um, you know, as crazy as it is, and watching their bond grow is really, really cool because Amelia is like just such a good big sister and she wants to help constantly and she just loves Arlie and I love seeing like how they already have this special bond together and I think I'm most excited to like see their little sister relationship grow. Oh my gosh, it's such a great age gap. Like it's, it's so nice. I, my, I'm very close with my sister, but we're eight years apart. Wow. Yeah. So I'm the oldest and she's the youngest, my brother's in between, but, but my mom really like aged us apart. My brother and I are four and a half years apart. And then my brother and sister are five years apart. Um, so, so yeah, so my, so, or maybe I did the math wrong. there's eight years between all three of us let's put it that way but but yeah no but my sister and I are very close now but growing up it was it wasn't like that sister relationship that I really had always wanted so I think it's really nice I always admire when I see sisters that are a couple years apart because there's so much bonding that can you go through the over the stages of of life Oh yeah. That's amazing. See, I love hearing that about sister bonds because I love my brothers to death and I have two, but I never had a sister. So I'm really, I always begged my mom, like have another one, you know, I want a sister. You know, my mom was like, there's no guarantees, you know? And I would always like, but I want a sister. And I remember even like praying when I was little, like, I just want a sister. I just want a sister. So I kind of feel like in a way, you know, my prayers were answered by having my two girls and getting to have that sister bond and, you know, being a mom to them and getting to experience that. So it's, it's really, you know, exciting and special to me. But um, I love hearing that, like, you had that bond, even though you guys were still further in age gap, like, just because you guys obviously were girls and you, you know, shared in that together and everything. Were you guys always close? 
No, I mean, we were, since we were just such, such far apart ages, you know, when I was like 18 and, and graduating high school, my sister was, was 10, did the okay. math at this time. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, so, and then like I met, I met my husband, now husband, but um, I met him when I was 22 and my sister was like, wow, this is a, this is, I'm terrible at math. So this is like a terrible, okay. I just so am I. You kidding? Story. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say? I was 22 and my sister was like 12, um, 14. So it was just, there was always this huge divide in terms of, of our, what we were going through in life. And then we, we became really close when she went to college. Um, and I was in New York city living my life in my twenties and we, we, we got really close. And then when she turned like 21, you know, I was 29. So I went and I partied with her for her 21st birthday. And um, now because she was living in New York City after graduating college. Um, but now because of COVID, she's back in my hometown and she's here and she's been here since March. So she's been like so instrumental in helping me with Mila and, and more so just being able to experience um, auntiehood, like being actually close and hands on. So that's been so special. And, and, um, really invaluable for our relationship too. That's so awesome. I love to hear that. Well, has she been around now during the pandemic and with COVID and everything? She has. Yeah. It's, it's been so nice having her. Um, but I, I feel bad for, for her age group. I mean, everybody's being affected by this in so many ways, but you know, that, that she just graduated college and like all of her friends are unemployed right now. And, and they just were starting their careers and now they're all kind of like back with their parents. A lot of people um, just don't have a job, don't know what to do, don't know what, what the world has in store for them. Um, it's definitely, it, it's, it is weird for everybody, but that like age group is, I feel like they're all feeling especially lost. Definitely. Yeah. So have you been trying to like help her and guide her, I imagine? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have. Um, she's, she was in, interested in fashion and she was working in um, a showroom and she was really enjoying it. But right now she's kind of considering other options and, and looking to kind of do real estate potentially. Um, and she has, she's very business minded. So you never know when things in life happen, they change your direction. And sometimes it's for a reason. So that's kind of how I'm trying to help her mentally. Oh, hope. for sure. Yeah, no, that's good advice. I mean, I think everyone is trying to transition in this time. I mean, myself included, like, you know, I usually do a ton of TV segments, you know, for a yeah. lot of my work and that's all on hold. And my studios are trying to figure out virtual stuff, but then it's like, you know, how many and what are we doing and how's it looking? And, you know, it's like, everyone's trying to figure it out. So it's like, I think so many people are transitioning right now, changing jobs, figuring out things that maybe they wouldn't have tried. So I think that's really good advice for her. And I agree with you like that, that, you know, um, age group definitely has it um, probably harder in the sense of they just started getting going and now they're on pause. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think too, I mean, I felt especially grateful to be in the new parenting phase because um a lot of things have haven't changed for me in, in in my lifestyle in the sense that I don't really I'm not really wasn't going out to bars I wasn't going out to restaurants I wasn't socializing so much um, so things have really stayed kind of the same but but so many you know a lot of my my friends who are single and living in the city it's their whole lives have been turned upside down in terms of what they do on a day day weekly basis and everything so yeah definitely well I was going to ask you like how do you feel like you're handling, you know, um, the pandemic and everything that's going on. And like how you just said, you know, you don't feel like a ton of stuff has changed in your life, but 
how do you feel like it has maybe changed and how, and, and, you know, like, what are you, have you been, what have you been learning in this time? How have you been handling this time? Like, I'm just curious your own personal experience being a mom, being someone who does work, you know, from home, you know, full-time freelance writer, like how has all that been for you? It's, it has been challenging a hundred percent in, in certain ways, but what's, what has helped me from the beginning and throughout um, is just kind of counting my blessings and thinking about all the areas that like, I just need to be immensely grateful for. Number one, like my health, the health of, the, of my family, my friends and people and around me, but also just like having a roof over my head, having the stability, like, you know, um, my husband still has his job. So many people are losing their jobs left and right. And I ha- I've had to take a big step back in terms of my writing career because we, we don't, you know, we haven't had daycare since, since March. Um, and it's really, it's, it's impossible really to get much done, um, with a toddler running around and, you know, I mean, she naps pretty well and I'll get like some work done in those two hours. But other than that, it's, you know, hands-on chasing her. Um, but really what's, what's helped me is just kind of counting my blessings and, and remaining grateful for the, for what I do have, because it's, it's so much. And, and I feel, I do feel very, very lucky to have um, the support for my friends and family and nearby. Um, so, so many things and, and people are all around the, the country and the world right now are going through such hardships that it's, it's tough for everyone, you know? So I kind of try to remind myself, I'm also not hardly the first parent who's not able to work right now because of, of the pandemic. So I, I you know, I, I know I'm in good company in that way. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, you know, good for you for kind of being able to check in with yourself and count your blessings. Um, I've been doing the same. I think it's really important in this time to do that because it's true. There are so many that are struggling. And I think that like, as much as we're all on the same, you know, uh, page and wavelength, as far as what we're all going through, as far as what the coronavirus and pandemic and all that has done for all of us kind of being on pause, obviously everyone's being affected very differently. So it's, it's important for those of us that are in situations where, you know, like you said, you have, you know, your husband, your husband has his job and, you know, you're able to be there for your daughter, even though it's challenging, it's good of you to share that. I feel the same. It's like, you know, Justin, you know, thank God still has his job and, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, working mom of two, but also still give more to the girls, but then work as much as I can to still bring in a part-time income. And, you know, and it's like, I'll have days where I get really frustrated because I want to be doing more with my career and I want to be pushing myself more, but then I have to like check in with myself like today and be like, okay, you know what? Your brain feels like it's going to explode. You're handling the two girls. You had a baby seven weeks ago. Like, if you get a few things done today, count that as a win, count your blessings and like move forward and stop feeling frustrated. But I think it's important for us to check in with ourselves, like you said. So how do you personally feel like you're able to tap into that gratitude? And like, do you have anything that you'd want to share that you think helps you do that or how you count your blessings or anything like that? Um, I don't feel necessarily that I have it all mastered. Um, so I, I'm always looking for suggestions from really any of my mom friends, anyone that I talk to, um, because there's, there, you know, there's good days and there's bad days. And, um, some days I feel like are just are so easy and I end them and I'm like, wow. You know, when I say easy, 
it's with a grain of salt, but, but like so manageable is a better way. And I'm like, this was such a great day. And I feel, I feel pretty relaxed. You know, I did a little work. I got this done. I got that done. And Mila was so well-tempered and she didn't, you know, throw her food in my face during three meals. <laughs> but then there's other days where it's like the polar opposite. Today was actually one of them. And I was like tearing my hair out by 6 PM. Um, so what, but overall, like the way that I kind of calm myself down and, and just be like, you know, take a deep breath, um, is one, pour myself a glass of, of red wine yes, and, <laughs> and two, um, really hone in on some kind of hobby. Really. And I, I noticed that writing has always been my hobby and then, but, but writing is also my work. So recently I've, I've made an effort to create like a different kind of a hobby. That's just something that I can do. That's you know, doesn't have my phone, doesn't have a computer in my face. Um, and so I've been reading and that's just been my time. And so when I have my book, I make sure that if Mila's awake, Dan's able to help me with her. Um, if she's sleeping, you know, that he's able to be around to listen to her so I can go tune out and just focus on my own relaxation, some quiet. Um, that's been really, really helpful for me. I love that because I've also been realizing like with everything that like, a lot of my hobbies along with my work because I love my work is like continuing to be on social media and continuing to go on my computer and like look things up and look up inspiration from my blog and do this and do that. And as much as it's like so fun to scroll and look at stuff, I don't realize how much I'm like attached to my computer and my phone so much. And I think that that's really good advice of like being able to tune out and find a different type of hobby because that's something I've been kind of working on myself and trying to figure out like, okay, what else could I be doing? I'm not a sports person. I never have been, you know, like my husband and Justin will say to me like, Oh, why don't you see this thing you could do, you know, outside that would make you feel good. And I'm like, I've never been that person. Like, you know, like maybe swimming, but like, that's not an option right now because we don't have a pool and like our club that we belong to that, um, Justin golfs at like the pool is open for like, you know, 45 minutes for each person. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a, you know, like two people at a time, you know, socially distant, like it's not really open. So it's, you know, obviously it's weird times, but I've been trying to find things for myself also. And so I've been meditating a lot, which has been really helping me. And I found a lot of different affirmations. I really enjoy. Um, I downloaded a couple of um, Gabby Bernstein's uh, affirmations and some of her workshops on my phone to listen to, but you know, it's, it's definitely a challenge in the sense of finding different things to tap into just for me. And so I love that like you're sharing it, you're reading, are you reading anything that you would want to share? That's like really interesting or you feel like has been inspiring or just like a nice detox. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I read Jessica Simpson's book, um, open book, which oh, okay. I really loved. I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge Jessica Simpson. Now I'm kind of a huge Jessica Simpson fan, but I wasn't, I just heard really wonderful things about the book and her story. Um, and I, and I really enjoyed that book right now. I'm reading, um, born a crime by Trevor Noah. And I think it's, it's just so incredibly eye opening. Um, it's just about, He's basically the the title is born a crime because he's born he was born in apartheid in South Africa, um, which is actually against the law for him to be born because his mother was black and his father was white to have a child together. So um, it's 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 a really really wonderfully written book, and he is just so funny, but he's also he's so smart in the way that he's able to 
um, give advice about, about the human race and just like how we are as people and, and, and then how he puts it in such, he paints a picture of how silly the concept of race really is and like why society has it, has put us all against each other when we're all, we should all be together. Oh, wow. That's so cool. What's it called? Born a Crime. Born a Crime. I'm going to write that down because I'm, I'm like, I want to check that out. I've been trying to find books to get into myself. And um, I also heard Jessica Simpson's book was really good. Maybe I should check it out. I've never been a huge Jessica Simpson fan myself either, but now it makes me feel like you don't have to be if you like the book. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I also found that um, a lot of times, I think, especially being a writer, I know that celebrities do have ghostwriters, obviously. But um, but in reading her book, it resonated so much with her Instagram posts and the language that she uses. And, and she's a really wonderful writer on her Instagram. And it was the same exact voice throughout the book. So I felt like very strongly that, you know, she wrote this. She had a big, big hand in creating the story word by word. So I really enjoyed that part about it as well. That's so cool. I love it. Well, and so Mila's 15 months now, right? Yes. So what would you say now that she's 15 months now, she's, you're past a year, you know, of being a mom and everything and being like, you know, brand new to this, obviously you're still very new, but like, you know, being brand new to the whole thing of motherhood, in your opinion, from when you had her to now 15 months, what do you feel like has been the most challenging in, you know, those chapters? Like, what do you feel like has been the time where you're like, oh my gosh, this has been the hardest so far out of all the time you've had with her? Breastfeeding, a thousand percent. Um, Breastfeeding and pumping for me felt like another child. It it truly did. Um, It felt like, I mean, I I wasn't prepared. I feel like, and, and now I had been writing about pregnancy and parenting for most of my career and starting in my early 20s. And I felt like I was as prepared as a person can kind of be because of all the research and writing I had done in that space. But I had no idea how time involved it was to breastfeed and to pump your, your child. Like I just really was, I just did not realize. And, um, you know, I would pump multiple times a day and I was alone with her all day. So because my husband left for work at seven in the morning and he came home around seven thirty or eight at night. So I was alone with her trying to manage the pumping and the breastfeeding and she was super colicky as well. So so for me, like those early stages, um, she also never slept. I mean, two hours was like the max and that was for a very long time, for maybe five months straight. So just being sleep deprived, just trying to provide for her physically, but also try to put away milk um, so that eventually I could have that break that never seemed to really come. Um, that was so, so challenging. And, and I really wanted to stick with breastfeeding and I, I stuck with it exclusively for six months. And um, then I went to a friend's wedding in Michigan. Um, so I had to leave her for the first time. And I brought my pump and I, I mean, I was like trying to figure out the math of how often I have to do it and make sure that I, you know, I could schedule it throughout the day. I was a bridesmaid. So, you know, how involved that is when you're, you know, waking up early, going to the hair and makeup, spending the whole day with your friend. Um, And I really wanted to be there for my friend, but I also knew I had to pump every like three hours. So that was challenging. I mean, there was a time also when we were like just about to go on the altar and I was like trying to figure out if I should pump now or later. And the stress of that um, coupled with the anxiety of just new motherhood 
was was really really the most challenging part for me yeah well thanks for sharing that because i think that a lot of moms first off and i know myself as well like put so much pressure on themselves when it comes to breastfeeding and nursing as well as like how you said like not feeling um prepared as well as like just feeling so out of sorts with it and not realizing how much work it is. And I think it's interesting because we advocate for breastfeeding so much nowadays and there's so much more support, thank God, for moms and it's be getting better and better. But I love that you brought up the fact that even though you wrote so much about it and you felt like you had so much research, you still felt very non-prepared and felt very like in- inadequate in the sense of not knowing all the things that came with it. And that makes me think like, wow, as much as we're doing to put out about breastfeeding and to advocate for moms who had a nurse and all those things, we're not really maybe necessarily preparing them for how much work it really is and how time consuming it can be and all the things that go along with it. And I think that was something for me too, when I first had Amelia, especially since I had a C-section with her, I had a very, you know, long and traumatic, you know, birth, and then she didn't latch and then my milk was laid and da, 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 and all the things. And by the time I finally was able to get her to latch, I'd been pumping for, you know, weeks to get colostrum and to get my milk going and everything else that it was really daunting and exhausting for me, especially in the beginning, beginning. Um, And I think it had a very heavy mental toll on me. So it's really interesting to hear you also share that you felt it was very, not only exhausting, but you also felt like, hey, I thought I read so much about this and I wrote so much about this, but yet I still had no idea what I was getting into. Absolutely. I also, I think that the breast first bottle debate, um, which I remembered so well from, from when I was in, you know, writing and reporting in the pregnancy parenting space. Um, it is, it is an interesting one. And I think that I, of course, I feel very strongly that whatever you feeding your baby, however you feed your baby is doing the right thing. So I, it's like, there's no right or wrong, but what a hundred percent is right is what feels right for you or what is right for you. But I do think that that, you know, saying that they're the same is, is confusing to some mothers who breastfeed because I felt like saying that you could do either and that they were the same. It, I didn't realize how much more time consuming breastfeeding was. And, and I have some friends who, you know, bottle fed only, and I would try to just talk to them about the early stages of, you know, cluster feeding and this and that and things that they couldn't relate to because because they didn't breastfeed. And I felt like, I don't understand why I wasn't properly told the details of what really breastfeeding involves. I mean, I took a breastfeeding class and there was no discussion of the- Oh, same. Yeah, no, there's no discussion. Same with the lactation, like, you know, like, like, you know, when you're in the hospital, like they, you know, in my opinion, like that, yeah, they try to help you latch and they try to like give you support, but they don't go over like, Hey, the baby might do this or this might happen. It's okay. And whatever. And you just kind of walk out of there like, Oh, okay. I think I kind of get this. I maybe get that. Like, thank God with, for me with Amelia, like since my birth didn't obviously go as I wanted or planned, but I had a midwife and a team, you know, behind me regardless, because that was how I originally wanted my birth to be at a birth center and with a midwife and all that. And so that same team, when I was really having issues with breastfeeding, was able to send a lactation, you know, consultant to my house immediately and have them help me. And so they were like my saving grace. And they were like, okay, what they're doing is normal. They have a growth spurt. They're clustering. Like, this is okay. This is okay. But again, I agree with you. Like, it's not really out there for moms to know. So when you're going through it, you're like, what is this? And like, why 
am I not producing enough? Like, why are they eating so much? Like what's happening? And like, even I had to check in with myself yesterday with Arlie because she's been like nonstop clustering and I'm like leaking like crazy. And I'm just exclusively breastfeeding. Like I'm not pumping yet. And you know, all that. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, girl, like what is going on? Like, am I not giving you enough? But then I'm like, no, she's growing. She's having a million poops a day. Like she's peeing, she's doing all the things. And I had to remind myself like, Oh, that's right. She's clustering because she's getting me ready for the next round of her growth spurt. Like, you know, but it's like, again, being now a second time mom, I can go, oh, light bulb, right. This is what they do. So I agree with you. There's a lot of like non, like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a gap, I guess, like a void of like some information that just doesn't get to moms. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of almost like what you don't want to talk about in a way. Um, yeah. I also think it's interesting because I heard so many birth stories that were horrifying. Like I was petrified to give birth because everyone I talked to before I even got pregnant was like, oh boy, get ready for that. That's kind of, <laughs> you know, like awful. And I went into it just being like, I don't know if I'm going to come out of this. Like it's going to be the worst case scenario. I had some friends that gave birth a couple months before me and they were, they all had pretty, pretty horrific stories. And, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't be honest with what they experienced, but it isn't, it isn't all so scary either. So I felt like overly informed in the labor and delivery category, but very underinformed in, in when it came to breastfeeding. Yeah. Well, and I love that you said too, it's kind of like what people don't want to talk about. And I agree with you. And like, obviously that's partially why I started this podcast was like, let's just have a real and raw conversation about what this all is, because I feel like there's not enough of that. And, you know, it's, it's true with birth too. It's kind of sad that it really is like so many um, scary stories and traumatic. And not to say like that some births aren't like that. Obviously my first with Amelia was, but then my birth with Arlie was like as intense as it was, it was beautiful. And again, um, I was able, I think because it was my second time giving birth and I was way more aware of what it was, I was able to step into that space and say, okay, I know what this is. You know, these contractions are going to get more intense. This is going to get me closer to having my baby. And I was able to really be in that space to be able to navigate and to, you know, be able to handle what was happening instead of being so, oh my God, what's happening? What is this? What is this feeling? And being petrified also by so many other things I had heard as well. And so it's like, I think it's important to share that and say, like, there's so many things people just don't necessarily want to talk about, but then, and sometimes they only want to talk about things that like scare the other mom. I don't know why that is, but I've noticed that too. Like, it's like, oh, let me just tell you these horrible stories. And it's like, well, no, let's not do that because like they're not even a mom yet. And now like they already have that going into like their whole situation. Like, why don't you can be real about it, but why don't you like break it down and explain like, Hey, it's going to be this, but then like, it's no big deal. Like, I don't know. I just think a lot of times, again, like when we read, you know, articles and we read different things, it's like, it gives like the sugar coating and just a little bit of information. And then when you go to like another mom, then they're telling you like this horrifying story. And then you're like, wow, okay, where's the middle where I can just kind of get the information understand what's going on, feel like I'm somewhat in the know, but like, obviously know it's going to be my own experience no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. You know, so it's funny. Like, it's like, that's why I love having these conversations with moms, because I just think the more we share, the more we like openly talk, the more each of us become like more educated, feel less alone, you know, understand we're all like in the same boat in that sense of just motherhood. And like, we're all navigating this the best way we know how. And obviously, like you said, however you choose is the right way for you. Mm -hmm. 
you know, um, I, I definitely think that navigating motherhood is so much about checking in with yourself and making sure that you're in a good place. Like, because, because you can overdo it in so many areas so fast. Like you can be so depleted at the end of the day. And especially in those first few months that you, you need to make sure that you ask for the help that you need. If you're able to have any help at all, you know, ask for it, like explain, communicate what it is your needs are because I, I struggle with that. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm kind of like, a, I can do everything myself kind of a person. And I really tried to do that in the beginning. And, um, and my husband felt very helpless and, and my mom felt very helpless. Like she was around and I felt like I needed so much help and nobody was helping me, but I didn't even realize that I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't really, I was acting like I wanted to do it myself and I wasn't really explaining what I needed. So I feel like it's so important to be in touch with, with what your needs are. And even if you think you can do something yourself, but you're not, you think you, you need the break, like take the break, take, always take the break. I love, I think that's such good advice. How did you realize that you weren't really asking for help and communicating and like realize that you were kind of trying to do it all, even though you couldn't, like, how did you, when did you, how did you have that moment? And like, how did you readjust that situation? I think there were just a few crying sessions where I was just like so I had nothing left to give um not so much like I I felt like I had everything to give to my daughter but I had nothing left to give to myself I had nothing left for my husband like when he got home at the end of the day I was just like I I couldn't even I was just almost upset with him just because I felt like he couldn't help me and there wasn't anything more that he could do because he had to be away the time frame that he had to be away he's a long commute he was working and um and and there was just many situations where I was like this is just not okay like I need to ask for the help if I need it and so I started to kind of switch that up and and my mom works as well like she's not she wasn't around to really help me during the day in the way that I, I wish like I she was able to but you know she was just very very busy and she helps in so many other ways and and sometimes she would be available to help me when I like didn't even really need her to be available um and I kind of needed to say, these are the times where I need you. These are, these are the, and fitting in things for myself. Like if I wanted a break, like having her come over and say between this hour and this hour, I need you to watch Mila so that I can take a shower, you know, yeah. <laughs> without screaming child, you know, in the background or the anxiety of, of my baby being hungry. And like, I just need just 10 minutes to just take a shower. I mean, so little things like that. But if, if you don't ask for it, a lot of times I really, I mean, I've only realized this in motherhood that you, you really do have to ask for what you need um, because people really want to help you, but they just don't always know how. Right, exactly. Well, and I, I think that's a real. <laughs> speaking of, Amelia walked in the room. She's like, "Mama," and I'm putting my finger up, like, "Shh, shh I'm podcasting." I'll mm-hmm. be right there. I'll be right there. A minute. You want to say hi? Okay. Say hi. You can't see. Just say hi. <laughs> real mom life. Um, but um, yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, you have to ask for help. You know, when you know, like, you need help, and you, you know, like, need to communicate, even if you don't feel like you know, you maybe want to or need to. And I agree with you. And I, I also am working on that myself of like, when I feel like I'm spinning out to try to do it before I'm spinning out. But I think that it's a common 
theme with a lot of us moms, especially as mom entrepreneurs, we like to almost get to like our breaking point and then we cry and then we ask for help instead of stopping us before we get to the breaking point. And spinning out is the perfect wording to use because oh my god that's how I feel all the time like I, I'm like I'm just like, I'm spinning out okay I'm, like I, it's like you're in a car and it's like you hit black ice so the well those that live on the east coast and you sp- you know and you spin out and you can't like and you feel like you can't stop it and usually thank god you can grip the wheel and turn it and get it to stop but in that moment you are spinning out yeah that's how I feel like that's literally how my brain feels, <laughs> you know, but it's like, it's a hard, it's a hard, um, a hard one to describe, I think, but yeah, something along like that is where is like where my brain is. And it's nice to know that's how like you feel like as well. Cause again, I think the more we have these conversations, the more you realize like, oh, that mom also feels crazy too, even though she may look like she has her shit together. Absolutely. And I, and I also, I feel like there's so much that you just don't understand until you go through it. And people can tell you that and you're like, oh yeah, okay, sure. But it is so true. I, I remember one, you know, my, my husband's cousin, um, his wife told me her, her daughter is, was born like a year before Mila. And last summer we went, we all went out and in Long Island, we were visiting and we all got together and her daughter was just over one, like probably around the same age that Mila is now, 15 months. And um, I was, you know, she was, Mila was three months old and we were, you know, in the thick of it. And I was breastfeeding, not sleeping. We were visiting his family. His mom wasn't there. So I, I was basically, you know, just doing everything on my own. And because his mom is so helpful whenever we visit, but she was actually not there that, that weekend. And uh, so, so um, she, she looked at me and she just said, you know, I, I finally feel like myself again. And it took me a full year. And I remember just being like, what does that mean? Like how I don't like, I are, I don't feel like myself now, but there's no way like I have to go through a whole year of not feeling like myself. And I remember that crystal clear and around Mila's first birthday, I started to like really start feeling like myself again. Um, and I feel like that's another thing that people don't talk about is because, for some reason, it's like society is just, you pop a baby out and uh, yeah, a couple of weeks later, you start feeling like yourself again. And I just, in, with all of the moms that I've talked to, all my friends that have gone through it, I mean, it really takes a while to start feeling like yourself again, feeling like you're back to who you are. You feel like who you are um, physically, mentally, emotionally, and you have a wonderful child as well. Like It's like you're finally becoming two separate beings. Yes. Oh my God. That is so well said. And I think like any mom can agree with that. And you're right. It's true. It's like, you can't understand it until you're in it. And then when you're in it, you're like, oh my God, this is what this is. Like, it's like, but, but you don't necessarily even remember the conversations you have with other moms beforehand, because you're just so in the trenches. You're so in the thick of it. Like yeah. it's just, it, you know, it's just like wild. And it's true. Like you really do like kind of lose yourself. And it's interesting to me when I talk to their moms, some moms say to me, oh, you know, I, I really didn't lose myself at all. I think to myself, wow, well, you must be like super strong in who you are to like not lose yourself at all. Because in my opinion, like I, like pretty much every mom of my group that I've talked to, like they've all had a moment where they felt like they've lost themselves in some way, shape or form. And I feel like that's, that's normal for a lot because you know, you do go through so much and there are so many changes and you're right. Society does expect you to come right back and, you know, be ready to go. I mean, even me, like I took off maybe three, four weeks after having Arlie 
And then I was like, okay, I have to answer this email and I have to post this and I have to do this. And I, and I didn't really give myself like a real break break and a real, you know, quote unquote maternity leave. And I love what I do. So I'm very grateful for that. But I, same in my mind, I'm like, oh, I got to get back to it. I got to do this. I got to do that. And you're right. Society totally makes you feel like, oh, I just got to get back to it. Like I just popped a baby out. Let's go. It, yes. And it almost makes you feel like you're missing out on something. Whereas, I mean, that's how I'm saying. I felt like I, just like you, I didn't take a maternity leave. I, I just was like, I'll just scale things down. I'll do a little bit less than I did before. And, and, um, and I did that. And so I was working pretty much like 30, you know, like, like I was doing like three fourths of the amount of work that I normally did, like two weeks after giving birth and, 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 you know, dealing with everything. I, um, I was just back at it and I don't necessarily regret that because, because similar to you, I, I do love what I do. So it was almost like I wanted to work. It was like something that I, I wanted desperately. Like I would rather have worked than like take a bath at certain points, believe it or not, because it just made me feel like myself again. Um, but but you're expected to, I feel like. I feel like society looks at you like you're expected to, as opposed to where I feel like the society should like nourish mothers. So they should tell mothers to step, to relax. They should encourage mothers to, to take the time they need and, and, and whatever breaks they need and peace of mind that they can possibly have. Um, whereas it's more just like, okay, like life resumes, you know. But life really doesn't resume for a long time in terms of what's normal for you. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. I, I agree so much, like so, so much. And I think that's such a you know good thing to say for moms to hear because it's like, it's true. Like it takes a while. And obviously like we're still, even though, you know, we've had our babes for a little bit, like we're still technically new moms. Like we haven't been moms that long and it's like, it does take a while. Like even moms I've talked to who have teenagers, they're like, uh, you know, newsflash, uh, it's still crazy. You know, like it's like, it, it's, you know, for most moms I've talked to, they're like, it doesn't matter what phase you're in. Like it always feels like you're trying to constantly keep up. Things get crazier and you are constantly going like, oh my gosh, am I doing enough? Because that seems to kind of be the theme of motherhood. Like you're just, you're always obviously trying to do for everyone else and you forget to do for yourself. And I love that you said, like you had to check in with yourself and say, okay, you know, I, I need, I, I give and give and give to Mila, but I can barely give to me or my husband. And like, I need to be able to give to others and I, and myself. And I agree with you. Like I, this time around really, really put the intention in myself to focus on my postpartum way more than I did with Amelia. With Amelia, it was all about like the pregnancy and, you know, all the stuff that went on with that and all that excitement. And then when she was born, obviously it was just all about her. And obviously after going through postpartum depression and everything else, I learned like I had to give so much back into me. And so now this time with Arlie, even during my pregnancy, I was meditating so much more. I was really quieting my mind so much more. I was focusing and telling myself, I'm going to focus on my body and then I'm going to focus on my healing. And like, I've been doing so much more of that. And I feel like that has already helped me to start to pour back into my own cup. Whereas something I was not aware of at all with Amelia. That's so great. And so important to do. 
I, I wish I could have gone back and told myself to do a lot of those things. Yeah. But you know what you, when you, when you know better, you do better. Right. And that's how I felt with this birth is I was like, I'm going for my VBAC. Thank God. You know, I was able to have my vaginal, you know, delivery, you know, after my C-section with Arlie. And I just think that from my VBAC to my recovery, to my healing, to all of it, I was able to really set that intention and to be aware because of what I went through as a first time mom of how I was going to change things going into being a second time mom and how that was going to look for me. And obviously nothing's perfect, but I've been able to tweak things and just be aware of things more. And it's not um, a like shock, like the way it was, you know, for all of us, you know, new moms, when we first had our babies, it's a little bit more like, okay, I know what this is. I know what this looks like. I'm a little bit more aware. I can do things a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. And good for you, honestly, that it sounds like, you know, you had a very difficult birth the first time. So to, to go into having, you know, giving birth again must be really, really scary when it wasn't, didn't go as planned the first time. Yeah, it was definitely scary. And I think I had to really work through that fear and had to really like tell myself like, okay, this could be another C-section. This could be not what you necessarily want it to be, but like you're setting the intent of what you want. You're going for a vaginal, you have a supportive doctor, you have a supportive husband, like you have all the things that you need for things to potentially go your way and you have to like release the fear. And I think that was a really big thing for me at the end of my pregnancy. And when Arlie was technically, you know, quote unquote, you know, late of her due date, like I had to really start writing down like all my fears and do fear releasing activities. And then shortly after I went into labor and I really believe that there was so much of my mind attached to that fear and so much of my mind attached to everything that was going on around me instead of really going within me and saying, okay, this is what, you know, I have the intent to want and do this is how I feel. I know things are a little bit, you know, better this time around as far as understanding things and not being brand new to this. I kind of know what to expect, even though things will be different because every birth is different. And I just think all those things and then the fear releasing really allowed me to be able to, you know, have the birth that I truly wanted. And then also now continue that into my postpartum journey. That's so wonderful. Honestly, I mean, having a realistic expectations when it comes to labor and delivery, I, I, I found was really helpful for me. Like I wasn't trying to be negative with mine, but I feel like I was overwhelmed with the knowledge of, of all the different avenues that giving birth can take. And, and in addition to the horror stories I've been told, I just knew, um, I knew a lot about procedures and this and that just from writing. So I was like, the worst case scenario is very, very possible. So let's just take this one step at a time. Right. Um, I was lucky I had a very, I had a, a, a great labor and delivery, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think like going through it the way that you said was, that's just so, it's such great advice to give to somebody who's going through labor and delivery for the first time, just to kind of like set, set your expectations, but also like, remember that you have everything in your control. What you have in your control around you is, is the best that you can do and, and what will happen will happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think I had to go through the same thing to myself and say like, okay, I can only control these things and then everything else I have to let go of. And especially in the pandemic and COVID and everything, I had to really realize like, okay, there's a lot more I can't control this time around. So like, I really have to let go of those things and then just focus on the things that I can control and that's it. And then everything else has to kind of just happen because I think if I had tried to control everything again, the way I did with Amelia's birth, I think it would have been a much different result for me this time around. Wow. Were you, so were you, were you okay when like, 
with, when you, with your labor and delivery, did you have to wear a mask or do anything? Um, was, was, was your husband able to be with you? Yeah, it was, it was definitely crazy. So, um, Justin wasn't supposed to be able to be with me and then it changed like two and a half, three weeks before I went into labor and I was so grateful that Arlie ended up being, you know, quote unquote late because I really think she held on to, you know, to wait for her daddy to be able to be there. Um, because if not, he wouldn't have been able to, my doula obviously was not allowed. So she was virtual. I, Stacy was a godsend. She was on FaceTime with me for 13 hours. Um, yeah, virtually, um, which was just amazing to be able to still have that empowerment and support and everything. Um, I had to wear a mask when I first arrived. And when I was first in there, and Justin wore a mask the whole time. When I was first in there, I had a mask on. And then to be honest, my doctor um, was really like, he could see I was struggling and he had had other moms who, you know, struggle with the mask with labor as well. And he was like, when it's us, you can have the mask off. And when the charge nurse comes in, you'll have your mask on. So I was able to, you know, kind of have it on and off, thank God. Um, and when it came to the actual uh, pushing Arlie out and everything, I was able not to have it on, which I was really grateful for because I was really doing deep breathing at that point. And I imagine it would have been a lot harder uh, with that, but it was definitely just a very weird uh, time and feeling, obviously, knowing, you know, what was going on in the world and then being in a hospital um, where, you know, you know, that that is there somewhere. Um, and then, you know, being in your room and asking for a walking up a girl and being told no, because of COVID, because they didn't want, you know, you, you know, walking and sharing and this and that, and me finally getting my walking up a girl, thank God, because that was so helpful for me, but I just wasn't allowed to obviously walk around anywhere. I was only allowed to be like in the circle of my room. Um, just all the things that kind of changed when it came to giving birth at this time. Um, I was grateful though, I will say, um, once I got my V back and everything was good with me and Arlie, we were able to go home after 24 hours because they try to discharge moms very quickly to get them home during this time so that they're not susceptible and mm -hmm. everybody's healthy and goes home. And as much as it was weird to not stay in the hospital, it was kind of really nice and beautiful to be able to go home, especially because we missed Amelia. We wanted Amelia to meet her baby sister. She couldn't come to the hospital, which obviously I had envisioned the whole time her coming to meet her baby sister. And that was not the case. Obviously, same with like no no family or anything meeting her. So it was very strange in that sense, but it was also really beautiful in the sense that I got to go home. I got to heal in my own bed, in my own bubble with just Justin and Amelia. And we got to bond and really form as a family of four because nobody else was around. Yeah, that is really nice. How, how many nights were you there with, with Amelia? Um, with Amelia for my C-section, I was there yeah. for six days. Wow. Yeah, it was long. And it was like, it was very intense because, you know, each day was the healing, you know, got a little bit better, but the first few days were really rough. So it was just, it was just such a wildly different experience, Jen. Like it can't even, Justin said to me after I, you know, pushed Arlie out and I was crying and bawling because it was so, you know, emotional for me to be able to do that and have that. And, you know, so many moms say to me, like, you know, what's the big deal? And I'm like, for me, it was just so empowering for me to know that I could give birth naturally. Of course, birth is birth and it's all beautiful and it all means something and every mom is a warrior but for me personally I really wanted to experience a vaginal birth it was really really important to me and meant something to me so I was so grateful that I was able to have that and have a supportive doctor and everything that really allowed me to achieve that 
Um, and so when that happened and, you know, I pushed her out and I was in shock and it was surreal, Justin turned to me and I was just bawling and crying and smiling and just literally like just in awe that it actually happened. And, and we got rolled into postpartum, you know, into the postpartum unit. And he looked at me and he goes, wow, like you're on cloud nine. And I was like, I am just on cloud nine. Like, I'm so fucking happy. I'm so like relieved emotionally, mentally, like physically everything that I felt, even though of course it was still very painful and you know, I had a secondary tear and all these things. I didn't care because I, I achieved what I wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good for you. That That's like, I can't imagine the difficulties that might be involved when you had a C-section with your first. Yeah, it was, it was definitely intense. I think the recovery for me was the hardest because I had chosen a natural labor and chosen, you know, a birth center and all the things that I wanted originally with Amelia and then been transferred. The fact that I had labored, you know, for 30 hours natural and then, you know, continued to labor at the hospital and wound up in a C-section at 42 hours. I think that obviously doing so much of that work and then mentally how much I felt like destroyed because of how much work I put in, how much I had envisioned and really quote unquote planned and wanted. And then all my plans went out the window. I think that was the hardest part was realizing like every plan didn't go to plan. And then the recovery of that from the physical work of doing all that was just so hard on me and my body that it took me, you know, a few weeks to even be able to get out of bed. And I think that was the hardest was being bedridden and not being able to do anything. I felt like truly helpless in being a new mom and being able to do anything with Amelia other than breastfeed her. Mm-hmm. You know, and even in the beginning, I couldn't even breastfeed her. I was, you know, pumping to be able to breastfeed, you know? So it was like, you know, I just think for, it was just so, it was just so different this time around with Arlie. Like, you know, I pushed her out, she, they put her on my chest. She latched within like 30 seconds. I mean, it was like, it was just like, wow. I just felt like I was in a dream the whole time. It was like, this really happening? Is this, you know, like it was just, it was, it was magical. Honestly, as intense as it was and, you know, hardcore as it was, it really was magical. And I was just so grateful that I was able to experience that and and have that, you know, and, and be able to understand it and everything and, and experience it. So it was just, yeah, honestly, still talking about it. Like I get choked up and teary eyed because it's just like, I still don't believe it happened. Oh, yeah. It's, it's what man. Motherhood is so wild. Like I, if you told me I'd be crying over like being able to push a baby out of my vagina. Like, you know, it's really like, no, it's just, it, it is, it is such a powerful experience. I, it is. It is so powerful. Like, don't you feel like you're, you're so different from when before you had Mila? So it completely different. Like I feel when I look at my life so far, it's like chapter A and chapter B. It's like totally different stories. And like, I feel like I evolved as a different person um, after that experience. Like I just, and I also have so much love and respect for my body, like in everything that it was able to do. I just think it's such a miracle and it's, it's incredible. Like I still sometimes catch myself just looking at Mila and I'm like, you're so beautiful and you're so wonderful and healthy. I'm so grateful for you. And I'm like, you, you're part of me. Like, I also remember that whole concept. My mom would always say that, like, you came from me, you know, you're, you're mine. And like, you came from my body and she would always say stuff like that. And I'd be like, that's so creepy. That's so mean. <laughs> and like, I get it now. I'm like, I totally get it. I mean, of course she's, she's half mine. She's half my husband's like we, you know, but 
there's this amazing bond that like she came from my body. She was just this little thing, um, a little flicker of light on an ultrasound and this little bond that we shared for nine months while she was growing inside me. And, and then, and now she's this like human, you know, running around. So cute. Yeah, thank you. It's just amazing. It's, the, it's such a, it is truly the miracle of life. I, I love that. I think that's so like beautiful. Well, and are you, do you feel like obviously since you said you had to take a step back with like your writing that like as much as it's obviously hard right now with everything going on, do you feel like you're getting to spend so much more time with her too? Oh my God, so much more time. That's why I have a hard, some of my, my friends that are also writers, like I've been talking to them a bit about how it's, it's, you know, it's definitely a tough time. Budgets are splashed left and right. I mean, we're hardly the only industry being affected, but um, you know, it's, it's definitely a tough time, but at the same time, I feel like I cannot find, I can't sit there and like wallow or be upset about that because I have so much that I need to focus on here. Um, and it is just such a silver lining. And I mean, it doesn't hurt that it's the summer and the weather's nice and you know, she's loving being outside and she just started, you know, running around and she's been walking for like three months now, but she's really running now and she loves the grass and the sand. And it's just so amazing to watch her enjoy and save her life. Um, and I feel lucky that I have the time to, to be there and watch her do it. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love how you said that she savors life because don't you feel like, like when I even see the awe that Amelia has for things, I'm like, wow, like my inner child kicks in and I'm like, wow, that used to amaze me too. Like now I take for granted that I see like birds, you know, eating out of a bird feeder, but Amelia is like obsessed here at, you know, my, her grandparents' house. Like they have, you know, this bird feeder and all these birds come flying to it, you know, but blue jays, you know, um, like doves, uh, red cardinals, like all these different birds. And she is just amazed by them. Every day she wants to feed the birds and she wants to look at the window and watch the birds. And it's like, I think about it and I'm like, wow, look at how she's amazed by that. Like, mm -hmm. remember when I was a child, I was amazed by that. You know, like, it's just, it's so interesting how they do tap into our inner child and make us realize like, wow, like, look at, like you said, like that, you know, zest for life and like that, excitement and savoring everything that they're getting to really become experienced with yeah it's 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 so wild you know it's like wow and I think it reminds us like in this time like you said that is a very hard time and you know budgets are slashed and all of us are doing the best we can do it's like those of us that are moms that have like little ones like you know we're really getting to have those moments and those silver linings to be like wow look at all the things and I mean not necessarily even in little ones I have friends of mine who have older kids and they're like, I'm getting to, you know, run around, do things with them like I normally wouldn't do. And I think in that sense, this time for all of us is such a blessing in the family time. Oh, definitely. And the, the whole work from home thing. My husband's been working from home since, since March and late March. And it's, it's incredible. He's been able to watch so many developmental milestones and, and be right there for them. Um, and the fact that he doesn't have to commute saves him two hours a day. I mean, it's so nice to have families spending that extra time together. And I really hope that that's something as a society that we take away from this, that family life is so important like that you know the concept of nine to five was so foreign at by the time this whole thing came around and it's like it was nine to five because you really deserve to have a morning with your family and you deserve to have a dinner with your family and somehow we as a society got so lost and things became more like you know seven to seven thirty um and yeah or or seven to nine or seven to ten yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. And I love that you said that about like that became so foreign because it's true. Even me, like even Justin's mom will say to me, Mary Jane, I'll be like, wow, you never stop working, do you? And I'm like, mm, not really. Like, and it's like, it's true. It's like we all as a society became so wrapped up in work and so wrapped up in everything that we have to do that we've kind of forgotten like the most important things. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this time is like reminding us. And I love that you said that because I think I've been learning that you know, more and more and more with myself too. And like trying to give myself grace, like, okay, work on a few things and then just spend the time, you know, with my girls and like, not feel like I have to go back to a million things and worry about a million things and just say, okay. And then my next work day will be tomorrow instead of feeling like I have to do everything that day. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I was going to ask you, how do you feel like, you know, like as this, you know, obviously things are kind of opening up, they're trying to figure things out. Like, how are you feeling about with work and with all of this and everything happening? Like, do you have any thoughts as far as like how you're going to continue forward as far as yourself personally is concerned or like your family is concerned? Like, is this going to shift things, um, you know, for you guys in the future? Or do you think you'll go back to, you know, your normal routines? Like how, like, how do you feel about it? I feel very lost in, in terms of guidance in that respect um I feel like it's you know coming from the top down and I think a lot of people feel that way just you know as a country we're all lost like we don't really feel like we're having um clear guidelines as far as what we're supposed to do and and I feel so strongly for parents that have to put their kids back in school right now um think about doing that in just a little over a month um because that is frightening and um not having any clear guidelines on that and in school and faculty members just feeling being being put at risk um so I I feel really lucky that I only have to think about one you know young child right now who's not in school I mean she's I'm keeping her out of daycare um the daycare did resume a couple weeks ago and they're doing it in tiers and in certain times and all of these guidelines and safety precautions um and I think it's amazing that they're they're doing that um and really wonderful because I know that a lot of parents really really need to put their kids in daycare right now and, and get back and resume some kind of work-life balance um and so my plan so far is to keep doing what we've doing we've been doing the last couple months um see how things pan out um and eventually i would love to be able to put her back in daycare not only so that i could have time to work but also because i think it's just wonderful for young children to be able to be around other young children like i i, I worry a lot about what this is teaching her as a toddler you know understanding what it means to hug people and greet people and not being able to do that and not having seen children her age like the way that she was when you know before this all happened um all my friends have kids around here and we were getting together with our babies a lot and i think that that exposure was wonderful so not having that's been tough so i'm having a hard time figuring out how best to navigate moving forward um we we're kind of seeing friends only recently um, and we're doing so kind of in a socially distanced way. We don't really know how else to do that, but to think about having to do that until some form of a vaccine is available seems unattainable. So for sure. Yeah. I think everyone's, you know, um, and honestly, and I personally, in my opinion, don't even think the vaccine is going to be a huge 
thing because think about like we have the flu vaccine and we still get flu. So, you know, it's like, I, I don't think it's in my opinion going to erase everything the way people think it's going to. I think it's, it's part of life and we're going to have to somewhat live with this um, virus and, and figure things out and figure out ways to um, work around it as a society and just be more cautious in the sense of washing hands like you did before with germs, but really being aware and, you know, being a little bit more courteous and mindful and, you know, that kind of thing, in my opinion. But um, I think that you make a good point as far as like you're starting to branch out and see some friends socially distance. I think that's all we can do, right? Is like we have to do what we feel is right for us and try to figure out how to slowly uh, open up our bubbles, if you will, um, and start to see our friends and family and whoever we feel comfortable seeing that we know we feel has been quarantined and all those things. And that's kind of like what we're kind of navigating too, is like we came, you know, we made the decision to get on a plane and be very safe about it and, you know, wear masks and, you know, wash everything down and social distance and all that, and then get to my husband's parents' house and then quarantine here when we first got here and spend time with them. And then went out, you know, still locally and just like went and saw the sites and things, but still very distanced and everything. And then saw a little bit more of his family, but again, outside and opened up the bubble in that sense, but knew where everybody was and quarantined and just been kind of taking it step by step. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, I think that's the best that you can do. And otherwise you're, you're going to be stuck in the house and, and feel, yep. you know, totally apart from everybody. So that, I mean, I, I'm just in hearing what you said, I'm taking a lot of pointers from you for sure. Yeah. And, and same here. And, you know, I just think it's like, we're going to have to just, you know, figure it out, you know, the best we can. And then again, I think you go back to your mother intuition, right? We all have that. And we all know what we feel for our own, you know, children or child. And we have to just go with that and go with what feels right for our families. And I think that the best thing in this time is like, nobody's right or wrong. We're all doing the best we can do with the little information that we know, because we really don't know what we don't know. Even people high up don't really know because no one really knows what this is. So until we do, it's kind of like, we just have to all do our best. And I think the biggest thing for me is like, when I see people shaming each other online, I'm like, okay, this mom wants to send her kid back because she needs to work and they need an income and they need to do what they need to do. And this mom doesn't feel comfortable and she has an immune compromised child at home. So she's not sending her kid back. And like, why is she wrong? And the other one's right. Like nobody's right or wrong right now. Everyone's doing, like you said, the best they can do and making their decisions that make sense for them. Yep. hundred percent, you know, and you know, and, and just like you said, starting to see your friends again that you had spent so much time with, with, you know, your babies. And now you guys are socially distanced and seeing each other and opening that bubble and, you know, seeing how that goes. And I think that's all we can really do, you know, and just keep living our lives. Cause like you said, we can't just sit in our homes and just be locked at home. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a very, very weird, weird time for all of us. But I think that the, in my opinion, the, the best way to navigate it is to do what's best for you and your family while still of course being aware of others and being respectful and everything um, with the guidelines and everything. But as far as your own decisions are concerned, you do what's right for your family and what you feel is what makes you feel safe. Definitely. You know, well, thanks so much Jen for being so open and, and, you know, always like real and raw about everything you share in your own journey with motherhood. Is there anything else that you would want to share with us before I let you go. Anything else you want to share about Mila that might be new and exciting, you know, and her milestones or, you know, just anything at all in motherhood before we close this out. I just want to say to 
all of the moms out there, you're doing amazing. You are killing it. Even on the days where you don't feel like you are, even on the <laughs> days where you feel like you've hit rock bottom, um, you are killing it. You're working your ass off for your family and, um, and just keep on keeping on. Um, because these are definitely really tough times to be a mom, no matter how old your children are, no matter how many children you have. Um, nobody prepared us to parent in a pandemic. So, yeah, so <laughs> true. So true. That is so true. Nobody prepared anyone to parent in a pandemic. Parenting is hard as is. <laughs> and then you add this. So, thank like, you so hey. much for having me. It's always so much fun talking to you, Allie, and to hear how great you're doing with your girls. I'm so happy for you. Oh, thanks, Jen. Well, I always appreciate how much, you know, you share and how open you are, especially because, you know, you are such a talented writer and everything that you do in your own career. I think it's really inspiring, you know, for other moms to hear that, like, at the end of the day, you're still, you know, another mom, just like the rest of us. And, you know, you're willing to share all that. And I just think that that's beautiful. And, you know, that's why I love having you on and love having you share your stories and your realness because you're always so real. So thank you, you know, for that. And um, tell us where, of course, that they can find you and all that good stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much, Allie. Um, you can find me at Jen Sinrich. Um, my, and Jen, Jensenrich.com is just my website with, with all my clips and, and I update that every day with new stories. Um, but also my Instagram handle is Jen Sinrich, J-E-N-N-S-I-N-R-I-C-H. Um, so you can find me there as well. Yes, and go follow her. You'll see all her beautiful pictures of Mila and you'll see some of her amazing writing that she does and everything else. Jen's really good about kind of mixing it up for you to see it all. And I will also link in the show notes her recent article she did with Healthline. I actually got to have an opportunity to contribute to and it is all about nursing and making it a little easier for mom and breastfeeding, which is something we obviously heavily talked about today. So I will link that to Jen in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you, love. Have a good one and stay safe. Until next time, guys. Cheers. Bye.